What's up, everybody, and welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, July 2nd, 2022. And I've been saying the time in the past few episodes, so it's 8.06 p.m. over here, probably 5.06 p.m. where Mike's at. How you doing, yep. Mike? Welcome back from the uh, to the land of the living. Welcome back to the land of the living as well. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, I'm doing a lot better than I was. I had a pretty significant sinus infection that uh, knocked me out for a few days and honestly had me out for like a week. Uh, My drummer was bitching about some sinus thing uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. That he was like the day of our show or whatever. It's been spread. It's been, it's been going around. Like my mom has it now. I got some updates to to share with you all about uh, work uh, shit is getting absolutely insane over at uh, Michael's. Not not with like management or with employees, but with guests. You know, people who show up to the store. We're having a spike of homeless people that are just showing up and using the bathroom to do uh, a lot of just uh, disgusting, heinous things. Uh, there's this one guy who apparently came all over the bathroom wall. Oh, God. Yeah, he just fucking jizzed all over the wall. He's like, God, I fucking love arts and crafts so much, I can't hold it in. I I know, I know. But there were, he also left behind some empty ramen containers, so uh, I thought that maybe he had a ramen fetish. Like that, well, that's... I mean, who hasn't? You know, taking their lunch break to get some food and, you know, go to the craft store and then, you know, use the bathroom <laughs> and, you know, rub one out. Yeah, so uh, I didn't clean it up. Uh, it was uh, someone else who had to deal with that. But uh, it, it we had another guy who shot up in the bathroom, shot up heroin in in the men's bathroom. Did they leave like a syringe or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know the full details, but I know people were talking about it. How like it smelled, you know, like it has a distinct smell. Huh. I didn't know that heroin had a smell. I guess so. Um, and uh, there was another guy who opened up a bag of weed, and it was so strong that it like permeated throughout almost the entire store one day. Isn't that shit legal in your state? It is, but at the same time, like. Yeah, but it's like, why are you fucking doing it here? Like, go fucking do it somewhere else. Go to some goddamn Grateful Dead concert, you fucking hippie. <laughs> this is a, this is a, a family store. This is an this is an establishment. Um, but there was also it just like this poor manager man. He's a new guy. He's had to deal with pretty much every bodily fluid except for blood. <laughs> He's the one that cleaned up the cum. He's the one that had to clean up uh, some vomit because parents brought their sick kid to the store and she threw up all over one of the carts and on the floor. Then he had to deal with this fucking crazy motherfucker who had diarrhea and then I guess like shat on his hands, and then started doing handprints and shit on oh the wall. Oh my god! Yeah, jeez, are you fucking working in a the psychiatric ward of a hospital? I know, I know, it's getting fucking insane. And then on top of that, you have all these fucking shoplifters who are being even more brazen. One lady was still in here after we were tentatively closed, and we can lock the door now. 
and she, we, uh, one of the managers was trying to get her to drop the items, and she was threatening to mace people. No one actually got maced, but, you know. Man. Looks like uh, Vancouver, Washington isn't taking the uh, economic downfall very well up there. Apparently not. Uh, at Kohl's, we still have, like, people who are just walking out with shit. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be nearly as insane. Other than the fact that there was somewhat, there were a couple people who went in one night. I wasn't working. And they just smashed uh, the the cases that had the um. It was like a like there the Fitbits just yeah. smashed the cases with the Fitbits and stole a bunch, and 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 this was when the store was still like they're still honestly during the day, so. Now they don't even have those cases up at electronics anymore. They're all in the back. Yeah. Uh, so back when I worked at CVS, we had like we would close at midnight at that time, and um, they uh, the fucking management, the upper management. I swear to God, they were just they were the they were the most uh, just not give a fuck about the employee as possible. Like I fucking yeah, hate yeah. it. It's, it's one. It's one of those old school corporations where like they're like fuck you it's all about sucking the customer's dick to get that last penny yeah like Uh all these all these newer companies like amazon shit they're all more about the employee and more like fuck the customer your happiness matters too you know to a certain degree well i mean at the same time amazon has a lot of scandals too i mean especially with employees in terms of like how difficult the working conditions are how extreme i i know schedule uh, in of terms my, of what they're supposed to do one of my good friends works there and she she likes it a lot and you have um personal hmm. unpaid time pto or i guess whatever. maybe they're doing better maybe they improved upon some things anyway cause... my point is is um cvs at back in the day the one that i worked at closed at midnight but fucking man upper management said we are not allowed to because we used to get on the intercom and say all right you know ladies and gentlemen it is uh, eleven fifty. We will be closing mm-hmm. in 10 minutes so please make your final purchases or and yeah. bring them to, to, to the front and they said we can't say that anymore because it makes the customer feel unwanted. Uh-huh. And it's like, "Oh, will you give me a fucking break?" Yeah. Like you So technically, we can't do that either, but we do it anyway cuz we're just tired of people staying around. So what do they expect you to do? Past? Stay open until fucking 1:30 in the morning until they finally figure out what they want to buy, you know? Like I mean, yeah, there's some people they they will just fucking stay there and a lot of them are fucking shoplifters. So it's like just get out. <laughs> yeah, that was some bullshit. I mean, I they bet. they they had they had this chart in the break room. I might have already said this on the podcast, but probably did. They had this chart in the. We've been doing this for uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, you know. And I've only had so many jobs. Years. There's only We've been so- doing this for years. <laughs> yeah, I think we missed our like seven year anniversary. Oh, oh my god! Well, seven years, man. Really? We, We've been doing this for seven years? No, I think it's six. We started, we started <laughs> like, in 2016. It's like seven years. The election Shit. of Donald Trump is what spurned the... No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> God damn. Uh, no, but like... Uh, they had this chart that showed like 
if you do these three things, the the customer will spend on average an extra oh yeah one dollar and sixty six cents. Yeah, no. Like if you if you greet them when they walk in, if you make eye, yeah, uh-huh. if you make eye contact with them, if you ha- ask them how can I help you find anything, there were so- somehow some in some fucking focus group out of Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where <laughs> their CVS's headquarters are, they determined that. Doing those things will somehow or another cause uh, the customer, the average customer, to spend a dollar and sixty six more than if you didn't do those things. So, of course, every now and then you'd have the stupid district manager come in, mm-hmm. and you know, if you if you already knew who he was, you knew to mind your p's and q's but if you, god forbid you were a new employee and you didn't greet him when he walked in because the first thing he would do would would be to make a beeline to you and be like hey name's keith i'm the district manager can i ask you a question why didn't you ask me or why didn't you greet me when i walked in and you know he, t- he has this really condescending tone and yeah a lot of these fucking district managers have uh, small dick energy oh big time and this guy was yeah. such a fucking loser. Like, he thought he looked so cool. Like, he was, like, probably 50 pounds overweight. Yeah. But he was still, like, he was probably in his mid-40s, but he was still, like, spiking his hair up. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, trying to be cool, you know, or yeah. whatever his idea of cool. And uh, it's, just, it's just... So, yeah, companies like that, they uh, tend to suck the, the lifeblood from uh, uh, em- employees. Um, and probably still do. Um Similar to uh, this crazy motherfucker that we're going to talk about uh, in today's podcast, uh, Mr. Rod Farrell. Mike, I can never take your segue energy from you. I can never take that away from you. You're just, (laughs) you're the father of all segues. I'm I'm trying. He can't be beat. He can't. (laughs) Many have tried. I've got to I've got to add something to this podcast that's that's my own, right? That's true. Oh yeah, by the way, thank you Liz from Perhaps It's You podcast. Yes, thank you so for much guest for guest hosting. Um she's always a delight to talk to and she's really funny and I feel like I become funnier when I'm a, when she's on cuz we just kind of play off each other and mm-hmm. whatever. Um Mike's more of the straight man, so I, I'm I'm the crazy, wacky radio DJ, and Mike's the hey, all right, come on now, kids, let's let's bring it back to to the earth here, and let's get this podcast on, keep it on track. I but, have my I have my crazy moments as well. Yeah, sometimes you'll drink two bottles of Mountain Dew, <laughs> <laughs> but that's only on the weekends, though. So anyway. Uh, I picked uh, this documentary uh, called Kentucky Teenage Vampires. Now, how the uh, fuck did you find this in the first place? Be- I found it after we watched that uh, Real Vampires uh, oh, documentary. Yeah. I, I thought that the courtroom footage of him like like sticking yes. his tongue out, I thought that looked familiar. Yes, that, that was familiar because they briefly touched upon <clears throat> Rod Farrell. And I decided to do some extra research on Rod Farrell. And that's uh, how I found the documentary on YouTube called Kentucky Teenage Vampires, which is a hilarious title. Yeah, and, you know, right right when I finally think, ha, ah, yeah, that's right, another state can be shamed instead of it always being Florida. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kentucky. 
Uh, why don't you take some of the shame for once? Where do the murders ultimately end up happening? In Florida. Yeah. Of course. Of course yeah. they do. Why the fuck can't my state ever catch a fucking break? We're the fucking so, laughing stock of the nation. Yeah. But uh, speaking of laughing stocks, uh, there's a vampire. There was a vampire cult or clan in uh, uh, Kentucky, Murray, Kentucky. Murray, Kentucky. And uh, an alcohol, interview- an alcohol-free town, by the way. So, yeah. Uh, as far as the fuck to the nose when it comes to cities that I'm, I would ever live in, Murray w- it would be number one on my list. Uh huh. So, uh, the Vampire Clan, uh, the the last remaining members of it are actually interviewed in this documentary. So you have like the leader uh, of of the clan. I think his name is. Uh, Jaden, right? Yeah. So, so. Jaden is a leader. He's the one that actually brought in Rod Farrell. And um, so that's why he's a bit of a focus here, because he, he brought in Rod. And uh, this guy is... He's like 18 at, at the time of filming for the documentary. And he looks like a teenage Danny McBride. And there's like moments where he's trying to be intimidating or he he shares photos of himself in goth makeup with like fucking knives. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah, this this, um, documentary like is kind of divided into three parts. Yeah. You've got kind of the stock town footage and the interviews with the townspeople you got the interview with rod himself behind bars and then Mm -hmm. you have the interviews with all these oily faced sweaty (laughs) teen like vampire wannabes in this basement yeah and i can i can i can smell that room through the screen i can just (laughs) smell the the dankness of that fucking room and these fucking kids who it's like yeah i get it you know i i didn't really fit in that great either and it sometimes it's hard to fit in especially in stupid small redneck bible uh-huh. belt towns like that um i mean jacksonville's in the bible belt but we're nowhere near as conservative as uh as places like those so, are so yeah thank god so you have like jaden who's like the the leader who sires these uh, uh vampires and he there's this girl named angelique there's this uh other guy i I forgot what the hell his name was but it was a pretty hilarious introduction to the character i mean to to the person it's like oh yeah he's just fiddling with his makeup oh yeah that yeah that guy looked like he could be in any like generic goth band in like the 1990s like he was he was like kind of tall and lanky and had like that uh just that kind of face that was made for uh, yeah. bl- uh, black face paint. The poor guy was also is, was also dealing with uh, uh, male pattern baldness. Oh, I, I know. I'm like, this poor motherfucker's already going bald, bro. Like, he's still, like, young and he's already, like, going bald. That sucks. His name is Raven, I think. Call, he calls himself Raven. You literally could have just made up the name, like he's called Raven, and and like everyone would have went along with it, like even if it wasn't accurate. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like one hundred percent. 
and then, then uh, you have this other uh, kid named Gabriel, who's a younger brother of uh, Jaden. And for some reason, fucking Gabriel has a, a um, like Transylvanian Romanian accent that like comes and goes. Yeah, I thought that was weird at first because I'm like, isn't he like a Southern boy? Yeah, yeah, he's from Kentucky, but like every now and then he'll have like this Romanian <laughs> accent, and it's just silly, just stupid. It was cr- it was pretty cringe. It was. So he was talking about we're not vampires, we're vampires or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um. And you also had like Jaden. He he had like a whole thing where he's talking about how when you become a vampire, you have abilities and powers that other people don't have. You know, you can read people's minds. You can get anything that you want to achieve. And I'm like, says the guy who's uh, recording this in a fucking dingy basement with a fucking trash bag. On this the is wall. what I happen to want, Mike. I'll have you know. <laughs> this is exactly what I want. Although he never really used that voice. Jaden was just, he just sounded like a guy from the South. Yeah, it was it was Gabriel. Um, And yeah, they they definitely were into the goth thing you know they had the makeup they had the the like fishnets and all that and the black clothing What's honestly up? they reminded me of the fucking goth kids in south park yeah i mean dude south park <laughs> like really nailed like those goth kids like because that's 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 pretty much like at any high school or middle school and growing up like that's pretty much how those kids were and so they're talking about how uh, they uh, drink blood, you know, because they're vampires. And Jaden talks about this nonsense about how his blood tastes different. Oh yeah, that's uh, see, that's that that was the part that bothered yeah. me about this documentary is like they really leaned heavily on like talking about cutting and mm. blood and this that, yeah and the there's other. one guy who shows his arm that it's like just has like multiple cutting scars yeah. because he talks about how when he has a bunch of adrenaline and he has a bloodlust he cuts but really what what he's doing is he's probably dealing with some severe anxiety and he's cutting because of that it has nothing to do with some bloodlust Turn, come to find out, I am quite squeamish when it comes to seeing or hearing about cutting. Um, so, th- and this documentary just like gave these kids too much airtime to just talk about that. It's like there was definitely a moment where it's like, okay, you, they've literally already explained what it was and why they do it. Like, you don't have to keep, uh-huh. you don't have to keep showing them cutting or showing their scars or showing razor blades yeah, yeah. showing ra- yeah it's like okay we get it it's like are you tr- i don't know i mean this documentary didn't really seem like it had an agenda but it i mean if they were definitely trying to paint the kids in more of a freakish light showing all that extra footage was definitely like well at the helping. same time i do think some of them are definitely freakish i mean rod farrell for instance who was a, a former member of this clan <laughs> who then split off and did his own thing i mean because they, even he was too extreme and too yeah. dark for uh this uh vampire clan in murray well, it's like the guy that, at the end of the documentary said yeah it, it, and i i thought he was a good way to end the documentary because um 
not only was he from that town and a country boy and all that, but he also had common sense. He goes, uh, he was like, um, you know, he's like, that, the vampire cult wasn't responsible for killing those people. It was Rod who was responsible for it because he was, you know, basically messed up in the head. And he's like, first of all, any logical person knows that vampires aren't real. And mm-hmm. second of all, Rod was just an, an evil individual. It had nothing to do with the cult. And it's like, wow, that guy's incredibly uh, logical. Uh, go fucking figure, you know, because most of the yeah. people in the town were like, basically saying like you know they were they were almost like west memphis three stuff oh yeah it was almost like uh paradise lost over here all over again yeah i mean yes that rod guy definitely was like fucked up but man all those other all those other kids like all they needed was like a group of people to fit in with um like if they had gotten if someone had gotten to them earlier on they probably wouldn't have gotten into all that. I mean, that kind of happened with one of the members of Rod's clan. Like, he uh, had a mother who still really cared about him and got him uh, sent to uh, some kind of uh, behavioral camp or thing, what, a behavioral yeah. camp uh, prior to Rod's trip to Florida. And if he if she didn't do that, then he probably would have went on that doomed ride to Florida and probably would have wound up being... Uh, incarcerated as well. Yeah. Except he talks about how I could have stopped him, and it's like, no, you, you know that that never would have happened. <laughs> Not gonna yeah, stop. Yeah, no. I mean, if if the if the dude's willing to like fuck a cat up, you know. Yeah, because that that's a uh, uh, Jaden talks about the moment when he stopped being friends with Rod, is when Rod just out of fucking nowhere grabbed a kitten and I guess he he was annoyed by it or whatever for some reason and he just grabbed it by the throat and tossed it against a tree and broke its back and killed it. Yeah, that was... I I had to, like... I was just... I I was running on the treadmill through, like, half of this movie Mm -hmm. or documentary, and, like, there were certain points where I was like, God, I'm trapped. I can't, like, skip it, you know? Or Or you couldn't skip the other part either, No, I had to put my my hand over the screen, like, in front of of my face, because it's like, God, I don't don't need to see those pictures. Yeah. They they, kept popping them up out of nowhere. It's like, boom, here it is again. Yeah, they have, like, uh, graphic photos of mutilated puppies. Because uh, someone broke into the shelter and just mutilated a bunch of puppies, and the uh, assumption is th- is that Rod was the one that did it. But apparently, that there really isn't any like concrete evidence that proves that he did that. But it makes perfect sense to me that he probably did that sick shit. Like the only one in the small town that would probably I feel, do I something. I feel like, like that. growing up though, like everyone knew that one that one kid who did who did shit like that. Like I, we certainly had this one mm-hmm. kid in our high school who we all sw- they all swore up and down that he was demon possessed. Um, he apparently like made his neighbor go crazy uh, by. Mm. Uh, doing some kind of d- demonic thing. Um, there was some folklore that um, some kid saw him shove this ginormous like 
uh, safety pin through his hand, and he just was laughing. He's like, don't worry, it's going to be healed the very next day. And then, like, the next day it was healed. Like, there was no, you know, scar huh. or anything. And huh. he was he was this really, like, dark person or whatever. And, um, you know, we, we, we all have those people. Where that is know. that guy now? I, God, God only knows. Literally, because he was demon-possessed, so only God can help him. The only uh, thing I can think of is I had a friend in high school who thought that he was, you know, possessed, and we would, like, fuck with him with, uh, you know, with crosses and shit. Like, so he would be, like, he would act, he would react if you, like, put a cross on his skin. So, like, we were being dicks, and we'd just, like, fuck with the poor kid. Dude, oh my god, I heard this secondhand story. My friend, oh, well, he's not my friend anymore, but growing up, he was my friend because, like, I haven't talked to a dude in years. My friend in, at the time was telling me about how he was at his friend's party, and his friend was like, hey, you guys want to see something funny? And he, like, grabbed his cat. This is so graphic. He grabbed mm-hmm. his cat and, like, performed oral sex on the cat oh my god and everyone was just it's like fucking shit it was just (laughs) like shane dawson over here oh i know (laughs) it was just like a a record scratch moment and and everyone's like jaws were like on the floor and they're like "Mm, dude that is fucking sick and then like olin left i would have too like that's like why would you think so I'm saying, dude, some people just are wired wrong. They, so there was a problem at the manufacturing Well, I, th- I, th- I definitely feel Rod was one of those people. He was not wired. Oh, yeah. Correctly. I mean, even even after he got caught for those murders, he didn't give a fuck. Like, when no. he was interviewed in prison, he didn't care that he was going to electric chair. In fact, he seemed pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh the documentary was fine. I mean, it could have done without the graphic puppy mutilation photos. Like, you could have, like, blurred that out. That wasn't really necessary. Um, but, yeah, like Josh was saying, it's split up into three parts. So you have, like, the interviews with the the remaining uh, Kentucky Teenage Vampire clan with the leader wearing his tool t-shirt. <laughs> Um, which is pretty. Which is funny cause because Tool, Tool's not even like they're they're like a, a, a like a hard rock band, but they're not they're not a goth no band by any measure. No, I, I thought I, I still thought it was pretty fitting because the guy's a giant Tool anyway. So, um, but yeah, you had that stuff. Then you had the stuff with Rod Farrell, and then you had like the townspeople. Like there was this guy who uh, was the head of this uh, roller skating rink called circus skate the guy looked like fucking david carradine the guy looked like he was the the like the head of a vampire clan himself <laughs> his last name was nanny i thought that was weird yeah 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 he, that, this, um, apparently that that uh that uh rink is no longer around it closed down years ago oh but he he only wants the well he says his patrons are people who want good, clean fun and not, as he quotes, the uh, ills of uh, those uh, of of those kind of people or some, some yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you got a lot of that from the townspeople. Yeah, like you had the people 
who were probably really big in the church community and talking about how we were we we couldn't believe it there there's no way that anyone who grew up in in Murray could could possibly have done anything like that and it's similar to what happened with the West Memphis 3 where i think some of the extreme behavior some of these vampire cult members and stuff like that a lot of it is fueled by how the community just didn't feel like they belonged there. You know, even if, you know, they were just wearing black and, you know, lipstick and, you know, stuff like that, they judged them harshly. And so they felt like they were serious outcasts. And so that made them act out even more. Um, but really the main focus is Rod Farrell. Uh, and uh, the Wendorf murders. So uh, we have uh, an article here. We're just going to share paragraphs like we do. And uh, so Roderick uh, Justin Farrell, age 16, uh, left in Murray, Kentucky on November 22nd with confirmed cult members Howard Scott Anderson, uh, uh, Charity Kessie, and Dana Cooper. Uh, they planned to pick up Heather Windorf and Le- LeClaire. Their destination was New Orleans, apparently, uh, but they were going to Florida first. Now, the reason why they're going to Florida is because Heather Windorf uh, was a ex-girlfriend of Rod's, and she was constant. She had been trying to contact him for quite a long time, like at least a few months prior to the murders. And she was trying to get him to kill her parents. Did they ever go... I don't think they ever went into why. No. But, yeah, it was her idea. Which makes the fact that she got let off with, like, no jail time or any real serious charges just kind of fucked up but i guess they just they really sympathize with her because her parents are dead i guess but she's the one that asked for her parents to be dead (laughs) (sighs) i doubt that her parents would have been murdered by rod uh, if she didn't ask for uh these uh crimes to be committed uh, according to all accounts, Heather's plan was to run away from home. The group arrived in Eustace and Anderson's Buick. After they got a flat tire, Farrell decided to take Heather's parents' car. The group met Heather down the road from her house. Farrell and Anderson got out of the car. The two stayed behind while Kesey and Cooper took Heather Huber's uh, house. I Okay, I guess they went into the house. Jones writes that Huber reluctantly played along with Heather's vampire fantasies. Because I guess she also had some vampire fantasies of her own. Jones quotes Huber, There was one time when she told me that Rod believed he was some form of reincarnated demon. That he was this high power that she had to obey. Huber decided to end the relationship after Wendorf told him that she believed that she was a reincarnated demon. Just as he decided to end it. Uh, Heather told him that she was running away with Farrell and his group. Jones quotes Huber saying that she said Rod put her under some hypnotic spell, like hypnosis, and she went into some other world, and she was in demon form, and she loved it. Heather thought she was something from hell that slaughters people like some form of of dragon creature. Wow, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the delusion goes even deeper. Yeah. When he Heather stopped by his house with Kate Kesey and Cooper, Huber tried to talk her out of leaving one last time. Jones writes that Heather told Huber, I have to do whatever he says. I'm already crossed over. And he said, if I don't leave now, he's going to hurt my parents. Maybe that's why they let her off is because I guess she was uh, under some sort of uh, influence or she was mentally ill. Um, after leaving Huber's house, the girls took Heather to LeClaire's house. LeClaire showed no interest in coming. According to all accounts, Farrell and Anderson entered the home through the garage. Farrell picked up a crowbar before going in. According to Farrell's confession, shown in Kentucky Teenage Vampires, which is the title of a serious documentary about a, a serious uh, crime, not not a low-budget B-movie. Because <laughs> that's really what it sounds like. Uh, he bludgeoned Rick as he slept on the living room sofa in front of the TV. He then beat Rick in the head and the chest. Farrell then went into the kitchen where he came face-to-face with Ruth. She demanded to know what he wanted. As he approached her, she threw hot coffee on him and scratched his face. Farrell claimed he had no intention of killing Ruth until she scratched him. After she scratched him, Farrell beat her to death with a crowbar. He said that Anderson just stood there and watched as he killed both Rick and Ruth. And, uh, yeah, the the confession from, from Farrell, like the interview with him in prison, it's it's something else. Like, you can tell that this guy is fucking crazy. Like, he is complete and totally off the reservation. Sociopath sociopath as well definitely a sociopath just no remorse no 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 it doesn't even look like he understands what like that even means no like he even says some things that are like i i guess at his mind sound uh poignant but they just come across as more instances of his sociopathy or just to his craziness you know we talk about well you know people everyone and their life is going to come into a situation where they can choose to kill or, or show not. mercy. Yeah, or show mercy. It's like I haven't been in that situation yet. Have you? <laughs> Maybe to animals, but you know, like the possum, I showed mercy. Uh-huh. I, I showed mercy to the possum by letting it after it escaped from the possum trap. I didn't. I I didn't buy another possum trap. I just said fuck it. I guess he can just uh-huh. stay here because. Yeah, the possum trap didn't work how it was supposed to, so the possum was able to escape. Is and, that really mercy, or is that just I'm? I don't want to fucking do this again. Yeah, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 when you put it that way, I think it was more of a laziness thing. It's like, eh, yeah, I don't feel like buying another possum trap. Whatever, it can just stay there. Yeah. yeah, I guess that wasn't really. I guess see, there's a third option, Rod. There's also indifference and or laziness, which is <laughs> yeah. what, what I show most of the time towards people. Um. But yeah, Rod is 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 definitely a, a textbook sociopath. Um, it's it's really weird though when you see the interview because not just because of just how inhuman it seems like this guy is, but like he he sounds almost exactly like Keanu Reeves, which is just it just makes things even more surreal because Keanu is the total complete opposite of Rod Farrell. Like, Keanu is a, an a unbelievably nice guy. Like, he's the guy who will give up his seat on the subway for you. Like, he's the guy who doesn't even live in a mansion. He lives, I think, in, a, like, a, an apartment still. Really? 
Yeah, he doesn't live. He doesn't have a mansion. Doesn't have anything like that. Um, he uh, has dealt with a lot too. Like he dealt with a lot of trauma. Uh, his he had a wife and I think a kid, or, and his wife I think committed suicide. So like he's dealt with a, a lot of a uh, trauma in his life, and he still is very uh, um, well rounded like his head is still in the right place and he's he he also is the type of guy who never really forgot where he came from like he just not really a lot of ego with with Keanu which is very uh uh unique when it comes to like a big movie star you know it, it, that's just not the type of personality not the type of person that he is Keanu cannot be canceled no I mean, he even, like, has adopted this thing where if he's, like, doing photos with, with uh, uh, girls who are, like, fans of his, he doesn't, he put, if he does the arm around, th- he doesn't, his hands don't even, they, they don't even touch. Smart. He's learned. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the total opposite of Rod Farrell. Um... Yeah, Farrell's interview was was pretty chilling, especially when he's talking about uh, uh, what he did. And it's 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 he's just talking about it like your typical trip to the grocery store or something. Like there's no sense of remorse or grief or uh, really any any emotion in his voice when he's talking to the investigators and they're asking like, so what did you do next? I took the crowbar and hit him in the head and uh, uh, he wasn't dead yet. So then I stabbed him in the heart with, with the, with the end of the crowbar. And then he's talking about the, the, the mother and he's, he's, it seems like he's more focused on her scratching him. You know, then then the act of him brutally bludgeoning her to death with a crowbar. Yeah, like he made it seem like like that was the uh, appalling thing about the situation, not the fact that he uh, was doing that, that all this murderous shit. It's like she was, I you know, she was scratching me, and you know, I I, I wasn't gonna kill her until she started. It's like, well, I mean, no, you you were though, because like you totally said like that's why you were. That there's a whole reason you went to Eustis, Florida. Mm-hmm. I've actually matched with some girls uh, on Tinder who live in Eustis. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they match me with these people who live like hours away. But uh huh, Tinder doesn't listen to me sometimes. So, uh, so after Farrell killed the couple, he took Rick's Discover card. He took the couple's Ford Explorer and met up with Kesey Cooper and Heather. By all accounts, Heather wasn't told that her parents were dead until later. Farrell told uh, Kesey and Cooper about the murders first. According to a chronology of the Windorf slayings published in the Orlando Sentinel, police put out warrants for Windorf, Farrell, Anderson, Kesey, and Cooper on November 27th. When the group ran out of money, Kesey called her mother, Jody Remington. Uh, Speaking of mothers, might as well mention some mothers here. Uh, from the documentary, because I don't think we'll have another uh, uh, place to to talk about these moms. So Rod ha- has has uh, um, he his mom is uh, featured in the documentary, 
And she's the type of mother who's still, like, really supportive of their son after they are sentenced to death row. And it seems like she doesn't quite understand why people are so um, upset, almost. It's like, he he killed two people. (laughs) Like... When she, I know when she started, when she started going on about his his uh, conditions in the jail cell and yeah. how he doesn't have any a- yeah. AC, I'm like, oh, yeah. boo, fucking who? He doesn't have AC. Oh, what a fucking tragedy! Like some I know. some girl doesn't have her fucking parents, but uh, Rod has to sit in a hundred degree weather. You know, it's like poor poor baby. Honestly, I, I think she probably feels bad for him because, like, she kind of makes it pretty clear in the documentary that, like, the absence of his father and and when his father did show up to the court date or whatever, he he, he wouldn't even mention Rob by name. Mm-hmm. He just kept saying, like, the kid or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that was, that was, like, one of the only times that Rod showed, like, any kind of visible uh-huh. sadness. Um, and so I think... Like, when you're just that unloved, you know, and you feel that rejected, I think life just becomes less uh, meaningful to you in general, maybe. Uh-huh. So I think that probably had something yeah. to do with it. But um, there are some details that were left out of the documentary because uh, this happened a year after the production of the documentary. Farrell's mother, Sandra Gibson, she was actually charged with criminal solicitation to commit rape in the third degree what? and criminal solicitation to commit sodomy what? in 1997. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, she was going to rape someone? Yeah. And so- how does that work for females? How does a female sodomize someone? I mean, it can happen. I mean, unless they're using some kind of uh, external device. Yeah. That's I mean, really they, they can also have, they definitely can rape. Well, I yeah, mean, I mean, I know, I know they can do that. Right. I mean, it's fucking a lot more difficult on many levels, but I mean, I'm sure if you put your mind to it, uh, you could do that. Um, not trying to make light of that, but like, it's just, it's just so, uh, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I don't even want to go down that road because it's only yeah, going to, it's only going to lead to bad, don't. bad statements. Don't. <laughs> Don't go down that road. I hear Josh. Mike going into. I hear Mike's PR fucking uh, alarm flashing right now. It's like, what the hell is he gonna say now? <laughs> what, what the hell is about to come out of his stupid mouth? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll just leave it at that. Um, Gibson ap- apparently also wrote sexually shocking letters to underage boys, fantasi- fantasizing about drinking their blood and becoming a vampire. The mom wrote this. Yes. Oh, so she's just as fucked in the head as the fucking son. Yeah, apparently. They just, she didn't, she didn't really seem like it. I mean, no, I will say she did seem a little bit aloof to mm-hmm. what her son had di- did, but that's not surprising because, you know, a mother's love is, you know, it, it extends to all, you know, parameters, even if yeah. your son's a murderous piece of shit. Yeah. But uh, speaking of other mothers, uh, might as well uh, mention uh, Jaden and Gabriel's mom, who's who was interviewed in the documentary. She, I love this woman, dude. She, she, oh yeah, she's great. I mean, she all but like <laughs> she all but 
but gave up on them. And she even said as much in the documentary. She's like, you know, they I, they haven't talked to me in you know a long time. Yeah. and you know, blah, so blah. the first time you see this 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 lovely, wonderful woman. She's like wearing like a dancing baby. Oh t-shirt. my god! I I fucking the that nine like the first yeah. the first internet meme ever the the uh-huh. digital the three D dancing baby. Yeah, uh, was that like a virus or something that would just randomly? No, it was on... it was it was it wasn't a virus. It was it was popular. I think it was popularized by uh, Ally McBeal. It was like kind of like almost a screensaver sort of thing. Like it's something. That, it's like a GIF you could put on your website and and or on your computer and stuff like that yeah but she had like a t-shirt of this yeah and it's like oh that is that is like so tacky it's exactly what you would expect uh, someone who lived in the south who had no class it's exactly the thing Uh that you would expect them to wear I, I think I think she still has a little class though but like not not in the typical way uh when She's first uh, introduced. She's wearing that that T-shirt, and then she comes out with a banger where they ask her, you know, about her vampire kids, and she's like, "Vampires are bullshit. <laughs> like this, this whole vampire thing is bullshit. She's They're like, not real. It's a fantasy." She's like, taking LSD just wasn't good enough like it was in the seventies. Now they got to be all different and, and push it even further with this. Yeah, I love that. So it's like taking acid, you know. That's not enough for 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 kids these days. Yeah, they got to be fucking vampires. But for uh, but in her day, a good LSD trip, man. That that's that, that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> that's just hilarious because she doesn't understand. Like that's still messed up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like in some ways could be worse <laughs> yeah really yeah because like lsd can actually fuck you, you up like permanently uh if you take the wrong shit or if you take too much of it uh i mean look at sid barrett from pink floyd you know he mm-hmm. essentially went crazy from from doing uh yeah doing too much of that so yeah the uh, but i i still love her though like that was that was hilarious <laughs> Mike loves you, wh- whoever you are, wherever you are. <laughs> um, so going back to uh, you know less uh, fun and and wonderful stuff uh, to uh, the the Wendorf slangs. Uh, when the group group uh, ran out of money, Casey called her mother, Jody Remington. Remington lived in South Dakota, worked for the local sheriff's department. Remington saw the story about the Wendorf mur- murders on CNN. After Remington spoke to her daughter. She informed the authorities. Remington agreed to wire money to a Howard Johnson outside of uh, Bait, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Baton Rouge uh, Police Department were on their way. It's Baton Rouge, Mike, not Baton. Okay, Baton Rouge. All right, Get my it right bad. Or pay the price. <laughs> okay. This is my region. Once in custody, uh, Farrell confessed to killing Rick and Ruth in vivid detail. All members of the group talked to detectives about their involvement or lack thereof in the murders. Anderson was the only member of the group who was in the house with Farrell during the murders. The victim's autopsies revealed that Rick had 22 wounds total, resulting in the skull fractures and brain lacerations, which they actually show footage of uh, Rick's dead body on the couch in the documentary. 
as well as uh, uh, other footage of uh, uh, the the mom, Ruth, and th- that that was pretty rough as well. At this point, I was just listening to the documentary on headphones, so I I, I luckily didn't see that. So, uh, yeah, he also had a wound on the right side of his chest. Rick was marked with a symbol that looked like the letter V for, uh, for vampire. <laughs> uh, Ruth had uh, many defensive wounds. Skin samples were taken from under her nails. She had 23 wounds in all, 16 of them to her head. Farrell's DNA matched up with the skin under Ruth's nails, plus other evidence found at the scene. There was also a shoe print that matched up with Farrell's boots found near uh, Ruth's body. Police suspected a conspiracy between Farrell and Heather. Cooper and Kesey said that Heather didn't know that Farrell was going to kill her parents. Two witnesses who claimed that Heather wanted her parents dead were discredited. According to Jones, a 15-year-old girl, Amber Blood. What a fucking name. <laughs> Very original for a goth goth girl. Uh, uh, she called a Crime Stoppers telephone line. Blood claimed to be a friend of Heather's and that Heather was involved in the murders. Blood failed a polygraph and claimed that she didn't know Heather. Brandy Gonski, 14, knew Huber. Gonski claimed that Wendorf called Huber and told him that she got a couple men up from out of state to kill her parents. Huber said that she didn't receive a phone call from Heather. Farrell's mother, Sandra Gibson, claimed that she overheard Wendorf asking her son to kill her parents. She recanted after uh, failing a polygraph. According to the Sentinel's chronology, a grand jury decided not to indict Heather Wendorf. She was eventually released. Everyone involved pleaded guilty. Even though he pleaded guilty, all of the evidence against Farrell was presented to a jury. Farrell initially received a death sentence, which was eventually reduced to life in prison. Howard Scott Anderson received life without parole. Dana Cooper received 17 and a half years and Charity Kesey 10 and a half years. Um... They don't really mention in the documentary that his his uh, feral sentence was reduced to life no. in prison. They they leave it at death sentence. Yeah, and speaking of death sentence, that that ties into like the bit where Farrell's interviewed. I think it's like the first uh, interview that they showed in the documentary. He's talking about being on death row and getting the chair, and he's talking about it as if it's like awesome. Yeah, he's like stoked. Yeah, he he want he he really he really wanted the chair. I wonder so if, maybe that. I wonder if he was like super disappointed when they're like, "Nah, no, you're just gonna spend life in prison." Probably. He was like, "Oh man, damn it! I really wanted to experience the electrocution <laughs> going through my body." Fucking weirdo! As you guys heard me talk about last week, um, this new little shot magic mind uh, full of neurotropics. And um, stuff for your brain, I've been taking it, and it's been really helping me clear the fog out from my mind. Um, Okay. My big problem is when I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling very foggy in the head. Um, It takes me like, it's almost like warming up a car in winter. It takes me like, you know, uh, it feels like a couple of hours for me to snap out of it, you know, of of the morning haze and to... uh, you know, get productive and get started. So I was contacted by these Magic Mind people, and they got these little, they're basically like shots is what I call them, they're in these little vials, almost like a um, five-hour energy size bottle, you know, and you just take it and, you know, or you can mix it in with your tea and coffee, tea or coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it tastes really good. It's got honey in it. Um, it's got, um, I'm going to butcher this word, but it's uh, Bacopa Manieri. I don't know why I rolled the R at the end. Um, it's a B-A-C-O-P-A-M-O-N-N-I-E-R-I. It's a natural neurotropic that helps with procrastination, much like a natural Adderall. Studies have shown that procrastination is more based on stress and your cortisol levels, uh, which coffee spikes, other than being quote-unquote lazy. And yeah, that definitely plays into it with me, because the my, mind, whenever it comes to like doing anything that requires productivity, your mind always starts freaking out, and you start thinking about a million reasons why you don't want to do it, or why you'd rather do something else, because your brain just wants to take the path of least resistance, and do the easy thing. But I found that uh, this magic mind shot has kind of like, has really like helped me with clearing the fog in the morning, getting more productive sooner, having the motivation to do it. And so, I mean, for me, I, that any, any extra enhancements or upgrades I can get to my life in that regard is very much welcomed. So I'm glad that they contacted me about this. Um, it works for me. It's helped me. So uh, you can try it now um, for a limited time. You can go to magicmind.co slash UUM. Once again, that's magicmind.co slash UUM. And you can get a limited 40% off subscription or a 20% off one-time purchase offer when you use our code UUM20 at checkout. Once again, the code is UUM20, as in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And um, yeah, you can get a case for yourself and see what all the buzz is about. Uh, personally, I like to put it in my tea because I don't, I don't drink coffee when I wake up. For the reasons they talk about in here, this is actually another thing that they bring up. I read it last week, but uh, I, actually, I didn't know this, and it bears repeating because I, I found it in, in, interesting. It's also got L-theanine in it, which when uh, paired with coffee, L-theanine helps increase focus and attention. Caffeine doesn't actually give you energy, but it blocks the ATP receptors in your brain. Uh, your tiredness receptors, it blocks those. When the, when the receptors unblock three to four hours later, you experience the coffee crash. Or for me, uh, the uh, energy drink crash. L-theanine binds with the, co- the caffeine molecules and prevents the full blocking of receptors, reducing or dissolving the caffeine crash and jitters that you feel. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, you know, you got no reason not to try it. We all suffer from uh, these various ailments. So, if this can help you, then why not give it a shot? Magicmind.co slash UUM. Enter the discount code UUM20. So, the vampire family. Farrell formed a relationship with fellow Callaway High School student Jaden Stephen Murphy. In many interviews, Murphy describes how he and Farrell met. Murphy liked dressing in black and was known for his interest in the occult and vampiric beliefs. He was head of a group of teenagers who liked playing the live-action role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade. And they actually did, like, LARPing. Yeah. They showed uh, a little snippet of their LARP uh, in the documentary. 
and it was pretty cringe. Yeah, the, it was it was pretty rough. The <laughs> the role playing game should have been called. It should have been more like Vampire. Look at how virgins act in their spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy's group also engaged in real life vampirism, which. Yeah, this is the whole blood drinking thing, and the guy was going off on how when he drinks blood, it gives him a rush, and especially if he goes a long time without drinking it, it you know, yeah. he, he almost feels drunk. And then he talks drunk. about the whole thing where uh, if I'm stressed, my blood tastes different. If, if and I mean that know, might I'm, be true because I mean, blood tastes different. Adrenaline is like is is a you know epinephrine is a chemical. Yeah, in your blood. but like I read something online from someone who actually is like a medical like professional, and they're like, "That's bullshit." Like, it, there would be a change. Also, especially not something that dramatic in terms of like the way that it looks or the way that it's uh, the thickness of it. Right. You know that that wouldn't change. Also, like uh, you know, blood. Okay, it's like iron and fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, hemoglobin and whatever dude as soon as it touches your mouth your your saliva is instantly gonna start breaking it down and then once it hits your stomach acid it's done son like it's not yeah. it's not uh, yeah. a significant enough substance to no. cause any effect on you whatsoever it's a mental thing yeah it's it's, it's clearly it's totally a mental, a mental thing. thing it's a, it's a placebo it's a, it's a completely yeah. and and if it does anything uh, if they have a bloodborne disease, you're going to get it. Yeah, Jaden. Jaden talks about uh, drinking blood and and how it, it gives him a rush and how it it makes him immortal, which is bullshit. There's no way in hell that your blood drinking activities make you immortal. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that the hubris of youth thinking that you're immortal anyway with the actions that that many teenagers take? But I mean, if it really did have those powers and that ability that gave you actual like added strength, why the hell is Raven over here still like almost bald? (laughs) No, I mean, if if this kid was if if this this guy was going to like, uh, you know, uh, hospitals when women were getting birth and then like. Eating their uh, fucking uh, uh, what do they placenta? call placenta? Not placenta, but their uh, their uh, umbilical cords and and getting oh, the okay. getting them stem cells. Th- then there'd be a little bit more credence to what he was saying because you know stem cells uh, actually kind of are the key to not eternal life, but living a hell of a lot longer because your body stops mm-hmm. producing stem cells and then all your yeah. shit starts breaking down. But how much of how much would you really get? from you know drinking all of that like Uh, like you said a lot of it would probably get it'd probably have to be it'd probably have to be injected into your bloodstream directly anyway they don't talk about injecting themselves with blood because that's that that would probably kill you uh yeah i because if you're it's not the right blood type your body would start attacking it Mm -hmm. yeah it would start rejecting it and you'd probably i don't know what would happen that's interesting uh if you because like if you're the same blood type, I think you'd be fine. But if it's yeah. if it's the wrong type of blood, then you. Because fu- I know Jaden also talks about how when he shared his blood with his sires, which I'm sorry, whatever he says, <laughs> World that, of Warcraft it, shit, whatever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's fucking uh, his wizards and spellcasters. <laughs> he shares blood with his sires. That he talks about how his sires have said things like. His blood tastes metallic, yeah, because it's blood. It's right. Probably, it's, it's got, going to taste it's got iron, like iron in it, or it tastes like dirt. 
I was surprised everyone was like, it tastes like shit. <laughs> she was talking, probably talking about his ass. <laughs> anyway, in Kentucky Vampire, yeah. Teenage Vampires, Mur- Kentucky Vampire, whatever, I don't give yeah. a shit. Murphy <laughs> and his group talked about their experiences and beliefs. While they, cr- uh, while when while they say they crave blood, they respect life. They don't kill animals or humans for blood. Instead, they engage in consensual bloodletting. Each member cuts themselves with a razor blade and allows the other to taste it. It also needs to be noted Murphy's group was not connected to the murders. Murphy and his group stuck out in a conservative, devoutly Christian community. Other students at school began to tell Murphy about Farrell. Murphy recalls that the students were trying to get them to fight. Murphy approached Farrell. The two walked and found that they had a lot in common. And uh, January of 96, Murphy invited Farrell to, quote, cross over, which is, initi- which is an, initi- an initiation ritual. <coughs> uh, Murphy and Farrell went to a local cemetery, cut themselves, and drank each other's blood. Then Farrell recalls that they sat in quiet medica- meditation. <laughs> medication. <laughs> AK- well, no, no, that's what they need was medication. I think they spent uh, a couple hours, like, yeah, he said a couple hours, and I just I, I was like, "That's so lame." I think they were. <laughs> like, I think they were probably doing butt stuff because that's what it was you know, all really all about. They were sucking something else. Yeah, exactly, Mike. You get what I'm going. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, there was another stake that was being driven into something. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just they just happen to be two dudes, so you know that's the only reason I say these things. If it was a dude and a chick, I'd say they were plowing each other. Nonetheless. <laughs> Welcome to 2022, people. My name's Josh Cannon. Anyway, months later, Murphy noticed that Farrell's behavior be- uh, became erratic. Murphy said he started to limit his contact with Farrell after he saw him kill a cat. In an interview in Kentucky Teenage Vampires, Farrell recalls that as he and Murphy went outdoors to talk, a kitten came along and Farrell began to pet it. The cat scratched him. Farrell said that due to his state of mind at the time, he became enraged. He threw the cat against a tree and killed it. I wonder if he had, like, flashbacks in his deranged mind when the mom scratched his face to the kid. Uh, who knows? Slash cares. Uh, shortly after, in the first week of November 96, puppies were found mutilated, yeah, and they showed pictures, too. Thank you, documentary. We really need to see that. I would have believed you, you know, if you just told me. They were found mutilated in the back of the Callaway County Humane yeah, Society in Murray. they were cut up into, like, numerous pieces. Yep, again... Saying the, they were cut up or mutilated was good enough. Uh, <laughs> Farrell was brought in for questioning and denied any involvement uh, in Kentucky Teenage Vampires. Farrell said that he had been planning to leave Murray for six months before the murders. The police were questioning him about the animal mutilations. Not only that, he had a... Ca- God damn! Are they shooting off a fucking cannon in my yeah, backyard? Ga- damn, I heard that one. Fucking A! I heard that one. You fuckers. Through, love through your fucking my freedom. earbuds. Jesus, Shit. such a hard-on for America right now. Just to think it's the big fucking truck guy lighting fireworks off. <laughs> Danny McBride in my backyard, man. <laughs> yeah. Fucking anyway. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of Danny McBride, uh, might as well mention the, the time when Jaden apparently confronted Rod and uh, choked him to the point where he almost died. If only he had done that. Yeah. Uh, so Jaden talks about how he confronted him. He got upset. He was tired of his shit and grabbed him by the throat and choked him against a wall and to the point where he, he said that Rod almost 
turn blue. Then Rod is interviewed and he's like, that's, that's bullshit. Like I didn't, he just pushed me against a wall. And then I told him to, you know, leave me alone and let me go. And that was it. Cause if he tried to do anything extra, I would have killed him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just, I, I thought that was worth mentioning because of like the different contrast between the two, like their different stories, Rod acting all tough. you are like, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, uh, so anyway, Farrell's plan to leave Murray six months before the murders or police were questioned about the animal mutilations. Not only that, he had a chaotic home life. Made worse with substance abuse, Farrell admitted to taking PCP. Yeah, he took a lot of drugs. LSD and heroin. Well, shit, there's half your problem right there. Gibson said that Farrell became violent under the influence. However, his friend said that Gibson was just as violent towards her son. Uh, but that's, see, that's another problem. Mm-hmm. Jones writes that friends uh, recall Gibson grabbing Farrell by the hair and trashing his room. Gibson allegedly shouted abusive remarks such as that Farrell ruined her life. Farrell told a friend in Florida that Gibson wanted to be, quote, crossed over and become part of the cult, which w- <laughs> which is what we just talked about earlier. Yeah. Murphy recalled in a 2020 interview with the YouTube channel The Ghost Effect, uh, Rob Farrell, the vampire cult murders, that Gibson and Farrell were always arguing and fighting. Uh, he said that Gibson accused him of, quote, taking her baby away. He said that Farrell had a horrible home life and that his mother provided no stability. In May of 96, Callaway High School suspended Farrell for frequently skipping school, smoking on campus, and disrupt- disruptive behavior in class. Gibson filed a beyond parental control report on her son. Don't even know what that is. She said that Farrell was verbally abusive, threatened to kill her, cut himself with a razor blade, and involved and was involved in a satanic cult. There we go, Satan, Satan again. Yeah. Uh, no, honey, these are vampires, not satanic, not Satanists. Get it right. Um, <laughs> things also reached a breaking point between Murphy and Farrell. Murphy had a physical altercation with Farrell in September of '96. In Kentucky, teenage vampires. The, if, the, if I have to say that fucking stupid name one more time, I'm gonna lose it. Kentucky teenage vampires. I'm so tired of saying it. it's like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anyway. Well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is, you know, actually a decent well, uh, a show. But, Sarah Michelle Gellar's yeah. hot, so. <laughs> uh, both Murphy and Farrell described the incident. Uh, Farrell threatened him. Murphy grabbed him and shoved him up against the wall. Uh-huh. Murphy served six months in jail for the assault. Oh, I didn't know he actually served any jail time for that. It's kind of weird That's that he a- wouldn't mention that in the documentary. If this story couldn't get any more disturbing, Gibson was charged with, quote, well, this is what Mike said earlier, mm-hmm. soliciting rape and soliciting sodomy on November se- uh, 12, 96. Gibson sent sexually explicit letters to Jaden Murphy's 14-year-old brother, Jamie. Uh, that's so weird. Their mother pressed charges after her sons showed her the letters. She also found that Gibson set up a shrine in her home with pictures of Jamie, candles and incense. That, Ugh. Man. No wonder this kid did the shit he did. His f- home life was completely fucked up. I mean, it doesn't make it right, but at least you know why. The content of the letters confirms Farrell's claims that Gibson wanted to be a vampire. Farrell was disgusted by his mother's behavior. Like, you know that you're fucked in the head when your own fucked in the head son is disgusted by your behavior. what you are doing. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, uh... <laughs> 
I don't know. That's like fucking the BTK killer being like, man, you're fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or the toy box killer. Yeah. Guy. Like, hey, you're a sick motherfucker. I would not, not even I would do that. And I have a fucking spiky dildo in my sex dungeon. Uh, Jones includes the following quote from one of the letters, quote, I long to be near you for your embrace, yes, Jamie, to become a vampire, a part of the family, immortal, and truly yours forever. Murphy told Jones, quote, Rod's problem was that he didn't listen to the laws. I accepted him into my heart as well as my life. I gave him the gift of the embrace, but he didn't understand it. He didn't respect life. You're supposed to respect your sire, but he would constantly break our laws. <laughs> didn't listen to the laws of the vampire of the silly vampire basement brigade uh no uh, his problem was not that after murphy threw out was thrown out of the group or after murphy threw him out of the group Farrell found one of his own howard scott anderson dana cooper and his girlfriend charity kesey on November 24th, 96, their plan was set in motion. It was initially only to escape Murray. Uh, and I feel like I'm just about to reiterate shit that we've already talked about. When the group arrived, Farrell met Heather at a local cemetery mm-hmm. and crossed yeah, her. Yeah, 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 yeah. We read all that shit. Aftermath. <laughs> the Wentdorf sisters. After her parents' death, Jennifer lived with her devoutly religious aunt and uncle, Billy and Gloria Wendorf. Uh, They wanted nothing to do with Heather. I mean, understandably so. According to Jones, Jennifer was unhappy there. They forbid contact between the sisters. I don't know why the one sister would want to talk to the other one after, like, having their parents whacked, you know, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Heather lived with her grandmother, uh, Gertrude Adams, for a few weeks. Heather was admitted to a psychiatric hospital after Adams... Uh, attempted to shoot her. <laughs> Whoa. Damn. Talk about wow. some retribution. God damn. After her release, she lived with a foster family. Oh, God. Foster families. That you, You're not much better off in those situations nine times out of ten. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Probably more like five times out of ten. There's a lot of rape that goes on in foster families that people don't talk about. Um, Heather gave an interview to the Orlando Sentinel in December of 2006. Quote, Heather Wendorf Kelly... Oh, so she's got a hyphenated last name, meaning someone married her ass. Jeez. Heather Wendorf Kelly was cleared in her parents' 96 murder in Eustis, now married and living out of the state. She reflects on tragic time. Oh, this is actually something I can click on. Uh, She told uh, writer Christine Delert that she attended art school, married a local theater and film producer, and lives in North Carolina. She got back in touch with her family in 2002. Reflecting on Farrell, she said, quote, he was charming. He could tell a lie like it was the truth. End quote. On the vampire cult, she said, quote, I didn't take a whole lot of it seriously. It was something to have, something special. You fuck with the goddamn fireworks! Shit! Shit. Sound like gunshots. Jesus. <laughs> it could be out in this shitty neighborhood. <laughs> it was something special in your life that you felt secret about. I mean, dude, just join a band. It gives you the same feeling. Uh, anyway, now we got Jaden Murphy, the head honcho of the uh, Virgin Brigade, the Basement Virgin Brigade. Murphy told the Ghost Effect in 2020 that he kept in touch with Farrell up until 15 years ago. I like how he acts like that was like a pr- like pretty recently. Yeah, I kept up with up up until like you know a decade and a half ago. He said Farrell cut ties with him for religious reasons. Religious reasons? That's that's interesting. Wait, Farrell cut ties with Murphy? <laughs> 
Farrell, the murderer, it was like, hey, man, you're a little too extreme for me. I don't think I can talk to you anymore. Did did Farrell become born again or something? Because that has happened. I fucking you know, doubt and... it. He probably he probably joined this. He probably did the same shit that Damien Eccles yeah. did. Um, so uh, Jaden uh, Murphy actually, uh, I guess he helped write a book, I guess, about um, his involvement with the vampire cult and, and a little bit about Rod Farrell. And this is a quote from the book called The Embrace, which is... <laughs> there was a, a, a local band in Jacksonville called The Embraced. Were they good or did they suck? Uh, they suck. Okay. So people didn't embrace them. <laughs> I think a lot... I think, wow, that was a weird laugh. I think a lot of people uh, liked them at the time, but... Um, I I never they you know they were just that that butt rock that two thousands oh, okay. Godsmack era sounding mm-hmm. shit that every everyone was doing. So this is Jaden Murphy quoted from the book The Embrace: Vampires don't kill and are expected to show the highest admiration for life. We have to live by the laws that surround us. We're not super beings who could twist things the way that we want them. Wait, isn't that what you said you could do in the documentary? Which one is it, Jaden? The Wendorf murders were not vampiric because Rod didn't bleed the bodies. There was no bloodletting. He did not take from them. All right. Well, th- <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jaden. So as far as uh, the where are they nows for Rod Farrell and his crazy mother, Sandra Gibson, uh, because he was a minor at the time, Farrell's sentence was reduced to life without parole in 2005. In 2020, Farrell lost a final bid to reduce his life sentence. According to a December 2019 Daily Commercial article, quote, Florida mother of a vampire killer. I've changed. Let me see if this article pops up because you see it's it's a redirect notice. This the previous page is sending you to blah, 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 blah. Okay. No, I do want to visit that page. Okay. All right. Let's finish this and then I'll read a little bit of that. Okay. Uh, Farrell made a tearful apology to the victims' families. While incarcerated, Farrell took some classes and got a, a wastewater treatment license. Gibson said that a lot of women write to him. He's been married and divorced. Jesus. His current fiance showed up at one hearing. She said that if released, she would take Farrell in and help him find a job. Gibson said that she uh, was living with her mother, started a jewelry business, and is even considering attending church. Harold Gibson has dementia and is living in a facility. Quote, as I've gotten older, I've learned that it is very important to live a decent life. You can really make a difference. 2018, Howard Scott Anderson's life sentence was reduced to 40 years with credit for 22 years served. He will be eligible for parole in 2031. Charity Kesey was released from prison in March 06. Dana Cooper was released from prison in October of 2011. Now let's go over to this uh, mother... Florida mother of vampire, vampire cult killer, I've changed. Mental health experts testified last week in resentencing hearings that the vampire cult leader Rod Farrell has changed. Um, while Farrell, who was convicted of murdering a Eustace couple, blah, 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 blah. Sandra Gibson told the Daily Commercial she is no longer the woman described as a mentally ill parent, former prostitute, and cult member who tried to solicit a 14-year-old boy for sex and a vampire initiation right quote at first i was really upset about it gibson said of the way she was depicted by defense attorneys psychologists and a psychiatrist i know their job is to help rod 
but she said she was stung by the testimony of Farrell's fiance and a woman who befriended Farrell while visiting her in prison. Quote, she barely knows me, she said of the visitor who described her, her as having the maturity of a 13-year-old. Gibson also has reservations about the fiance who testified that her relationship with Farrell is, quote, beyond romantic. Uh, Leslie Bullard, a teacher in Texas, said she will give Farrell a home and make sure he has a job. There have been a lot of girls, Gibson said, of pen pals and visitors. Farrell uh, was even married to one of them for a time. Uh, He's changed so much. Of course, he's 39 now. He was 16 at the time. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> I could tell. So yeah, that was uh, that was a couple of losers who had very oily skin and not a whole lot of uh, jobs or adult responsibilities. At the same time, though, like at the end of the documentary, Kentucky Teenage Vampires. I almost thought you were going to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's, that's <laughs> it sounds I'd, really good. That's right what now. I'd rather talk about. To be honest, it sounds delicious. Um, at the end of the documentary, they talk about how Jaden and like his group are going to go to L.A. so they won't be persecuted. And then uh, his brother Gabriel, like, I guess he was going to go to Chicago. By himself. And part of me is wondering, like, what the fuck happened there? You know, like, what happened to, to the younger brother in Chicago? He's talking about how, oh, I've I've uh, slept under bridges before. I'm sure Chicago has nice br- nicer bridges, more yeah. spacious. Yeah. Total martyr complex. Exactly. Um yeah, sorry guys, I'm not in uh, Ukraine right now. If you can hear all these like what sound like gunshots, like we just have very overzealous uh-huh. motherfuckers out here who just want to blow some shit. America, want to blow some shit up. Um, but yeah, I wonder what happened uh, with the vampire cult's uh, trip to Los Angeles because they're all talking about. Oh, I have a friend over there, and they're they're talking about how you know we're almost like legends, yeah. you know that kind of uh-huh. thing. I bet one of them went on to become Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> the tall one with the male power. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on on, on him because he went rock. I fucking can't stand his music. I can't stand. Oh. I can't stand his face. Shit. He's a total fucking poser. Uh, it's like, yeah, you know, when he switched to rock, he started selling like so many more records and. His fucking debut album, like, went to number one, and so did his follow-up album. And I don't know exactly why that was. I don't know how he was able to just decide one day that, like, oh, I want to make a rock album. It's not even rock. It's, like, pop punk. And a lot Mm -hmm. of it, and a lot of it has, like, electronic programmed, like, hip-hop sounding drums. So it's not, like... It's not like something that, like your average teenager loves rap music. It's not something that would totally be like out in left field if you were to put on in in a like a rap mixtape. Like, yes, it is. It does have like rock vibes to it more so, but it definitely does kind of have that urban flair. So it, it's just it's it's totally tailor made to the times that we're living in right now. And I just there's nothing interesting about it. There's he's never going to 
do anything that's going to be experimental. He's never going to take any artistic chances as far as like making something that's like, you know, more adventurous or off the beaten path. He's just going to do his prepackaged mainstream bullshit that each song probably has at least three to four writers. Some of them probably don't even include Machine Gun Kelly himself. Um, I hate that he took his name from a gangster that is a hundred times more badass than he'll ever be. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I know. I I'm. <laughs> I hope he does make a. I hope he does go back to rap after this last album that he put out, which he said he was going to go back to rap. Um, I hope he goes there and just stays there because. You know, and everyone's saying like, oh, well, even if you don't like it, you should be happy because he's he's bringing rock back. And it's like, dude, I'm so tired of people trying to say that such and such is going to bring rock back and this is going to bring rock back. Like, rock is never going to be brought back in the way that we want it to be brought back, like us old millennial fucks or old Gen Xers. (laughs) It's never going to... The 90s alternative rock... Like it's it's not we're not gonna have a new wave of Green Days and Nirvanas and Offsprings and Rage Against the Machines. We're not gonna have like a new wave of those bands that sound exactly like those bands sounded and the same sensibilities. That's just it's never gonna happen. That time has come and gone, and it's just like that that seventies that seventies guitar rock sound of like Led Zeppelin and the Who and all that. That that era will never come back. And anytime they've tried to bring it back, or even like you know the eighties, you know like new wave and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean that era is a lot more easily replicated nowadays because mm-hmm. like there is such heavy use of synthesizers in music yeah. now, like there was in the eighties. And like actually, like uh, the weekends, uh, uh, the Starboy album and that song "Blinding Lights," yeah. uh, very eighties vibe but with like a modern like modern production um so that's a little bit easier to kind of in in infuse in your songs but like anytime like a band comes through like Greta Van Fleet who is just blatantly trying to bring back a certain sound half the people fucking love it because they like they all they want is something that sounds exactly like Led Zeppelin but like as if Led Zeppelin didn't stop creating music in that time period like and i could understand that because if a new band came out and sounded like the smashing pumpkins in their 90s era or you know any album in the the 90s by them was great in my opinion i would i would embrace that with open arms i wouldn't care if it sounded like a ripoff because the point is is i just want new music that sounds Mm -hmm. very similar to the music i liked in the past so if a band comes out nowadays that sounds like a ripoff of one of the bands I love, I'm going to fucking listen to them. Because the bands that the bands that I love don't write music like that they used to anymore. The the shit they, you know, I don't know what it is, but as an artist gets older and, you know, has been in the game for a while, it's just like it's so rare to see them have like a second wind, you know, and come back with like I mean, it's definitely happened, you know, but like I'm talking about bands that have been around for 25, 30 years. It's very rare for them to come out with an album that really, like, knocks people off off their shoes, you know? And especially once you kind of, like, you know, your, your shelf life in the music industry as being relevant is, like, three to five years if you're lucky. Once you pass your shelf life, like, it almost doesn't matter 
if you like mm-hmm. come out with something amazing because you they, people have just moved on. You're not hot anymore. Uh, they rarely go out with a bang. <clears throat> Unlike what keeps happening behind me. <laughs> um, I mean, that's why they say, um, you know, you're uh, like strike while the iron's hot, you know, like, yeah. Like while you're hot, you know, while you're being talked That's about. That's why you have that uh, term uh, "go out, go out on top." Yeah, that's something I fucking wish uh, Phil Collins would have done, but yeah, clearly he doesn't know how to the yeah. concept of that. So yeah, I don't have anything else to say about Kentucky teenage vampires, uh, except I'm shocked that isn't the name of some low budget B horror movie. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Rod Farrell, other than he's a piece of shit, yep. an awful person, yeah, horrible hum- human being. Uh, I don't want to hear any, oh, well, he was a kid, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I, I don't want to fucking hear it. He's uh, a, a straight up fucking monster and clearly a sociopath. Yep. And one of the worst kinds of sociopaths. To be fair, there are people who have sociopathic tendencies who aren't always murderers and killers. So he's definitely one of the worst ones. Uh, he's definitely from that ilk, so to speak. Um, other than that, just time to wrap it up, I guess. Yep, so if you want to join our fan group, which good god the fucking amount of membership requests i've been getting lately <laughs> we've we've gotten sucked into some facebook algorithm vortex and we're getting like 10 to 15 requests a yeah d- i keep a day. seeing that and i'm like what the fuck so like, annoying because i know none of the like i know probably one or two out of these 10 to 15 people actually listen to the podcast but the rest of them are just these fucking randos and it literally just depends on what mood i'm in if i accept them or not because you uh-huh. have you have to answer the qu- like two questions to join the group and the first- I know we have a member uh, of the group uh, Cassie she actually uh went to college at Murray State University Oh nice so she talked about how this whole uh, uh Rod Farrell stuff happened uh a few years before she started college and so she's talking about how for shits and giggles friends her and her friends would drive out to the area where these creepy weirdos used to worship. And <laughs> she's like, it's beautifully creepy out there. Oh, nice. I bet she had a hell of a time uh, getting crunk at her alcohol-free uh, sorority parties. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you can join our Facebook group by going to Facebook and in the uh, search bar type in Uncover and Explain Mysteries. Go to the groups tab. I know that's already like way too many steps, so good on you if you can figure out how to join it. Um, you can jo- uh, subscribe to us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries um, for $3 a month. Sometimes you get the podcast early. Um, I got I got to get more on the ball with that man. It depends on when Mike gets me the, his audio, and it depends on when I can fucking edit it. And usually, by the time it's done, it's like it's time for me to release it to everyone else as well. So really, you're just kind of like supporting us or me, really, at this point. At least you're being honest. Yeah, you know, like it's helping me out. It helps me pay my fucking bills every month. I mean, it's just I guess it's a thank you more than anything. But for $5 a month, uh, we will cover a a topic that you want us to discuss. 
Um, and we've already done several of those. And then one dollar a month is another unless it's thing a Netflix you. series. Then, then yeah, if it's an entire series, if it's an entire <laughs> series, fifty bucks. That's the new rule. Fifty bucks, and we'll talk about an entire series. That takes so much of our fucking time. Um, but I'm again, I'm not saying the last person that wanted us to do that was that wasn't a bad. It was not on them. That wasn't their fault. We did say anything, and after realizing the uh magnitude of how uh how much time that was going to take up it was like all right well let's let's put a cap on that in the future but anyway um if you want more of me and mike but you want to separately we have youtube channels that we put a lot of time into and mike's youtube channel is youtube.com slash ocp communications um he's the movie guy and um he talks about movies what was the last video you did mike the last video I did uh, that I uploaded is a review of a pretty lesser-known direct-to-video movie called Population 436, and the biggest selling factor is that it co-stars Fred Durst. Oh, nice. Yes, that Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, And I will be honest, he was actually pretty good. He, he actually did a good job. Some good acting. And you, and Probably you, the best performance in the movie in terms of the most consistently uh, good performance. And you definitely would be the first person to say if he didn't do a good job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, th- the film, though, not very memorable. The most memorable thing about it is how surprisingly decent of a job Fred Durst did, acting-wise. Yeah, he you know he he was trying to parlay his way into acting at one point when 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 Limp Biscuit was like at their peak, because when a band gets big enough or an artist gets big enough, they have these options to like go into other fields if they want to. I mean, Phil Collins did it. Yeah, never never really uh, got far with his acting, but he definitely enjoyed it. Um, and you know, he always looked he because of his acting, he was always really good in his music videos. Like he. If you look at the other two guys in the band and you look at Phil, it's like you can tell who the actor is. Like the other mm-hmm. two guys in the band cannot act to save their lives. <laughs> and in, in the 90s, like all of Genesis music videos, they all ha- had these like elaborate like, you know, piece sets and like plots and shit. And so like it required uh Tony Banks and uh Mike Rutherford to like they had to act and and god you could tell like tony banks especially was just so uncomfortable being in front of the camera and phil just was like a natural at it so yeah but his movies i've never i've never even seen buster but i have no interest in seeing it although i think that might be an interesting uh potential video for your youtube channel yeah it could be um i feel like the next video i'm gonna make on phil collins is his eulogy video but that because that dude that dude yeah. that dude doesn't seem like he has long for this world. I hate to say it, you know, he's one of my fucking heroes. Do you think they could ever do like a Phil Collins or uh, Peter Gabriel biopic? You know, in the same way that they've been doing with like Elvis and and uh, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody. I think the only problem with that is that there is such little interest in uh, early Genesis. Mm-hmm. Because Genesis didn't really get successful on a mainstream level until their 1986 album Invisible Touch, mm-hmm. and they had been a band at that point since like 
1970 like two. Mm-hmm. So there's there would be all this time that they would have to cover Phil Collins in Genesis before the they got big and before he went solo, which is when people really started giving a shit about him. And P, and I think it would just be too hard to make a biopic on him unless you just cut out a huge chunk of that early work, which would be fucked up because that was a huge part. But then again, they might be able to like play off of the fact that 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 Phil never agreed with a lot of Peter's decisions. Like Peter Gabriel was the front mm-hmm. front man of Genesis for those of you who don't know. Um, and Peter would always do these wacky, like wear these wacky costumes and paint his face and come out. Wearing... I mean, you can tell. I mean, look at Peter Gabriel's solo stuff. Look at some of his music videos. Oh like, yeah, he was... he's he's always been an experimental, inventive guy. Peter Gabriel's another hero of mine, probably more so than Phil Collins because he was just so uncompromising for in his his entire career, and he remains uncompromising. And his voice is the shit. And see, Peter Gabriel would he? I guess you would say he's technically maybe less mainstream than phil collins oh way the fact way less that mainstream. he did have some hits yeah he as had a solo artist he 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 did it right he had the one big hit album but he has his cult fans who love all of his work mm-hmm. he and it's not just his genesis fans i mean he wouldn't have been able to pack out arenas if it was just yeah. genesis fans like so i mean that that Peter Gabriel might make for a more interesting biopic. Again, but that's, with it Peter, probably wouldn't happen. If if <laughs> if it was going to be either one of the two, it would be Phil because Phil yeah. is head and shoulders the bigger star. But mm-hmm. like I said, the mainstream listener only knows about uh, in the air tonight and, and beyond. You know, and all of his stuff he did yeah, it's after not, that. It's not really the same as Queen or or Elvis right where or, where they had they had like Queen had like ma- Rocket Man. Queen Queen and Elton John had like a couple of albums that well fuck I mean Elton John's first album had uh, your song yeah. on it and then yeah. Queen's first album had that one might not have had any hits. Let me uh-huh. see, but like so you know. The time in the movie they spend on the early years is short because it's like by the next album they had had mm-hmm. you know a hit song so it was like you could start already start getting into the interesting aspects of their yeah. career but with Genesis sure. you'd have to go through like you have to go through like fucking six or seven albums like <laughs> until you finally got through this their hit period where people even uh-huh. know like anything about it like that's maybe why maybe a miniseries yeah i don't know i just don't think there's enough diehard <laughs> like yeah genesis slash phil collins fans out there to like care about that all right let me see maybe a documentary though like a mini series documentary kind of thing like it would be a good idea to do something like that you know while while phil's still around um okay so the only two songs i recognize off of queen's first album is keep yourself alive and seven seas of rye Mm -hmm. but neither one of those were big i don't even recognize those myself so yeah (laughs) queen two yeah, of, let's see. Jeez, they were like, they were like into J.R. Tolkien or something. They have a song yep. called Ogre Battle, mm-hmm. the felt the Fairy Feller's Masterstroke, yep. Nevermore, <laughs> the March of the Black Queen, uh, and then Sheer Heart Attack is the album after Queen. It's like similar to Scorpions. Like they started out very different, and they even had a different lead singer for like 
first couple albums or whatever. Okay, so by their third album, they have their first song that I can think of that charted on the radio, which is Killer Queen. Yeah. She's a killer queen. Something, something, something. by laser beam. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right. to blow your mind. All right, guys. Oh, wait, my fucking YouTube channel. Jesus. Yeah, your YouTube channel. <laughs> All right, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do a lot of music-related content. I talk about, um, like, I do little mini biographies about things. Like, I do album tier rankings. So if you're into music at all, check out my channel. And uh, your latest video was another uh, an- attack an- on Rex Viper. It was another takedown of Rex Viper. Jay- I'm surprised you didn't show the footage of James jumping up and down like a jackass. At the beginning? Yeah. Oh, you did. You showed that at the beginning. Okay. Uh, no, I mean at the beginning of the show. Uh, the, of the yeah. Show. Yeah. I saw that after the fact, and and I did kind of kick myself for not including that because <laughs> he's like, "Wee, wee!" I'm so excited, and it's like, "Okay, you're embarrassing yourself again." Yeah. But apparently, yeah. uh, maybe he's struggling a little bit because he did a charity whatever thing and sold all the a bunch of uh, uh, merchandise and stuff like not really merchandise a bunch of uh, um, memorabilia memorabilia from uh, from uh, the nerd days. I don't know how the fuck he could be struggling. I don't know his videos. Maybe he doesn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have time to not struggle. Um, but yeah, I, it does look, if you look at it as like a social blade, like he's, he's not doing as well as he once did. Um, the r- recent video did like per pals, like the Wii, like that was pretty bad. Yeah. That one wasn't very good. That was a, that was a very and uh, half cocked video. I, I think things might get better that some of the screw attack guys are kind of drifting away a little bit. I know Justin, apparently you mean screen wave, screen waves, screw attack, screen wave. Uh, screen wave guys are kind of drifting away. So like Justin in particular, like he's kind of off on the wayside, not really as heavily involved. Apparently they said someone was saying that he's taking time away to work on like weight yeah. loss. Yeah. But then, uh, someone took a photo of him at the too many games, uh, uh, con and he's fatter. Dude, like I said, like like in the he didn't lose any he didn't lose anything he's just fatter now he has to sit on two chairs yeah like I saw like like so they did the music videos and then when he played live I pointed this out the first time I was like this dude is rapidly expanding like he's like a a, like a galaxy that keeps absorbing other (laughs) planets like he just and it's like people like oh yeah it's cool you're fat shaming him real real classy or whatever it's like dude. It's like a guy walking around with 10 heroin needles hanging out of their arms. Yes, I'm going to be like, this This guy's a fucking idiot, you know? You're ki- yeah. You are literally... Look, I would never talk about somebody's weight if they were just overweight. But this uh-huh. dude is morbidly obese. Like, my 600-pound yes. life obese. Yes. Like, And apparently he's, like, such a massive edgelord that people are thinking that the the announcement he made... Which was sharing like an old photo of him when he wasn't like ginormous. That that was just him just trolling people. Like that, like he would just come back and be even fatter. 
because that would be just okay. Yeah, you're really him. you're really trolling us. You're you're hurting. You're you're literally only hurting yourself. Like, I know. Nobody cares. I know. You know. Like, I know. You know what's sad though is like I can make a whole fucking like drama channel out, out of James Rolfe and Rex Viper because yeah. my, my yeah. video is already doing better than videos my video other oh i know my videos i I I normally release like i can tell by the view counts after like you know 10 hours like if the video is gonna fail or if if i did if i did nothing but like new movies and popular films and like mostly rants then i would probably do better as well yeah it sucks because I mean it's not like i hate doing the video but it's like i like starting shit i like finishing shit i start so like if I talk about something and then there's like an update, I feel like I have to do a vid- another video, and I've done that with the Woodstock uh, yeah. 2000. I know there's going to be uh, more Rex Viper music videos. So, oh great, <laughs> I'm not doing a new video every time a new uh, Rex Viper video. I might like wait until they put out a couple, and then I'll yeah, cover wait until they put the, out like all three, like a batch then, or like, something. Because yeah. yeah. it's, it's just at that point you just become that that. You become that guy. You're that troll that literally just sits yeah. there and like just like is feeding off of somebody else's work. And it's like, even though the work is bad, it's like I don't I don't want to do that. You become that guy who's like jogging around and like shitting on other people's channels. Yeah, it's it's one thing. And he's a fucking nobody. It's one. Th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one thing to 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 point out some shit that you don't like once, and then they they played a live show, so I felt like I had to talk about that. And then people wanted me to make a, another one, and so I was like, "All right." But I mean, I don't know. I'm probably. And then I made like another one about just the James Rolfe controversies in general and my take on it. And I'm pretty. Unless some extremely crazy thing happens in that world, I'm not gonna make another fucking video on it. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. how many views I get. Like, unless you have some kind of like change the channel type thing. That's what like, I'm saying. If, so, awesome if something, in some, unless something incredibly crazy comes out. Then I'm not making. I'm not doing another one. But uh, <laughs> YouTube.com/slash Dancing with Ghosts to check all that out. I gotta take yep. a wicked fucking piss. So <laughs> until next time, have a good rest of your night. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>